Hello there, the All-Ireland Football quarterfinals are upon us and what a weekend we have in store. We'll preview all four games and give the best analysis as the season really catches fire. And with Keith Higgins and Conley Gilligan, we'll hold a State of the Nation address on football, its current style, the evolution of the game and the way forward. That's all on the Championship. OK, let's start tonight with a debate on Gaelic football. Uh, for much of the season, the style has been ponderous. It's been lateral, intriguing at times, lacking goals for a large part, lacking cut and trust in some contests. For the last two weeks, though, the game has kind of exploded into life. But joining me now to have a chat about the evolution of the game, uh, our four-time All-Star Keith Higgins and one of the top coaches in the game, Conley Gilligan from Derry. Uh, you're both very welcome to the show, guys. Cheers, Damien. Thank you, Grant. Uh, Conrad, I'll come to you first of all. Just your thoughts on the style of football in 2023. Has have you seen much evolution? Have you seen much stagnation? What do you think about it? Yeah, look, I suppose think the football actually is in a really good place at the moment. I think Derry probably have started with a template of attacking and have showed teams that by getting twelve or thirteen men inside the opposition forty-five can pay real dividends. And I think a lot of teams like Galway have started to to copy that. So. I think football is actually a good place. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen high scoring encounters. We've seen goals. You know, we've seen loads and loads of activity in terms of the forward mark, particularly. So I think for all the detractors of the game, and while some games were really poor early on, I think over the last number of weeks, the football has been really, really good. Keith, what's your opinion? Yeah, I'd agree with Conor in parts, I suppose. Look, I think there was kind of a lot of frustration probably the start of the year. A lot of the kind of play was fairly ponderous. You know, every team now is getting your 12, 13 players behind the ball and then trying to attack and kind of getting numbers up there. But I just think for a lot of the, the earlier part of the season, it was just very slow, a lot of lateral play. There wasn't probably a lot of imagination in some of the teams when they did go forward. But as Colin mentioned, Colin mentioned there, the last few weeks, some teams have kind of probably copped on to it that they need to actually go and win games as well, you know, and get, their number, get those numbers forwards, get the right people in the right places. And... Um, yeah, look, it has picked up. I think when it comes down to, I suppose, the do-or-die games and teams actually have to go and kind of press for a wins is when it can kind of get a bit more excited. And obviously, that's kind of what we've been seeing the last while. So, kind of hopeful that when it gets to the, the business end of the season, as they call it, that it will pick up again. But look, I can see where some people's frustrations came from initially at the start of the year. But like I said, hopefully, I'd be kind of positive that it, that it will kind of pick up again. What's your opinion on the, the league structure and the provincial structure, Keith, because maybe the way the season is shaped means that teams don't really have to go gung-ho until later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a provincial structure. Look, again, there's been so much debate around the provincial structure the last number of years, whether they're actually fit for purpose, whether there's a point to them. Like, again, I can kind of see both sides of the story. I mean, from obviously my playing days, anytime you went out to the Connacht Championship or win the Connacht medal, it meant an awful lot. But at the same time, now that you're kind of going from the league into the provincials and then you, you still have your kind of your group stages, does the meaning of the provincials, has that been weighing a small bit? Probably has. Um, but I think we've kind of seen again probably the last round of the, the the group stages there. There was a lot to play for. You know, teams were kind of looking to kind of get that second place or top spot in groups. Some of the groups didn't go as we kind of thought they would be. Um, and like there was a lot to play for because it was a big advantage you get in your quarter, your preliminary quarter final at home. So... Um, like I just think when it comes to the, the cut and thrust for it and there's actual meaning behind the games that's when you see teams going for it and that style of play then becomes a bit more exciting rather than kind of some of the league games where teams know they might be safe they're just kind of going through the motions nearly in a way um, and again they're just kind of getting 
certain players back. They're kind of adapting to systems, and there isn't that kind of real kind of high intensity to some of the games. You know. So on that then, Conlet, going forward, is maybe the structure something we need to look at in terms of uh, the leagues and provincial championships? Uh, because it, it, the placing of those so early in the year, you know, it means that you're really only cultivating your squad and you're developing your style, of, you know, because you've seen the last couple of weeks where the game has really exploded into life. Do we need to make better use of the earlier parts of the season or, or am I just being overcritical here? No, look, I think definitely the earlier part of the season needs to be used more widely. You know, the McKenna Cup and, and while it threw huge crowds early on, there probably isn't enough time to do everything. So the McKenna Cups, the FBD Leagues, the O'Byrne Cups, you know, it's at a stage now where there may not, if with the condensed season stays as it is, there isn't enough space for it all as much as a lot of people love them. It's a case now of the early part of the league, the football was maybe poor because teams like Armagh, for example, who had a really good run last year, were starting to refine their system. We're trying to find their feet, trying to find a setup that really suits them. And, and obviously, when you look at the amount of energy Armagh, having had to play the preliminary round in Ulster, had to put in after extra time against Derry. And it was no wonder they were a wee bit flat coming in uh, to the start of the, the round robin series. So, yeah, look, I think the structure does need a wee bit of tweaking. I'm personally a fan of what has happened this year. I understand there was a lot of games to get rid of four teams. But that allowed everybody else a position just to find out where they're at. And if you look at most of the top premier competitions across the world in any sport, it does tend to be guided like a Champions League format where you want the best eight teams at the very latter stages. And um, the provincial championships, while Connacht and Ulster are brilliant and we wouldn't want to get rid of them, it probably does leave an inequity when you look at the amount of football that Armagh had to play in relation to maybe um, Kerry at the early stage of the season. Uh, just what's it like on the ground as a coach, Conlet? I mean, you were with Kilku for the last couple of years. You're with Eden Dork now this year. Like, uh, you, you know, certain certain teams have certain styles. From a general point of view, do coaches go into a team and just say, right, defence is paramount here, get the shape right at the back and, and we work it up from there? Are our coaches on the ground adventurous enough these days? Are they creative enough are there ways to kind of counteract that lateral passing that we've seen infiltrate the game in recent seasons especially? Yeah, well, look, I think probably in, in all teams, the coaches and managers look at what they have. And if you're a team that has David Clifford, you play a completely different style than you would if you have, you know, Dara Canavan in your forward line because they're different type of players. So I think definitely defensively you have to get a sound because teams now don't want to be getting involved in a shootout because it's just too difficult depending on the type of forwards you have. So I think that probably dictates the style of play. Um, but I think coaches probably are the great innovators and as well as that, they're stealing ideas. So when somebody sees something, you go back to the, the Jim McGuinness era and Donegal, all of a sudden within three, four months, every team was playing with multiple sweepers and the teams that win 10 to set the tone and set the standard and, and everybody copies and, and tries to get something and steal wee bits and pieces. So I don't think that's any different. And and you look what Derry done with putting five men inside the 13-metre line. Now that's regular across the board. You're seeing it in club football. Galway were probably the first county that it was very obvious that they had done something similar because they've seen the merits of leaving the middle open for their, their big strike runners and their shooters from range. So I think it will always evolve. It will always change. But no matter what rules you do put in place, Coaches within five, six, seven, eight weeks will find a workaround and there'll be very few rules that can be just slotted in that immediately make your game better. But because the thing is, we have to decide what type of game we want to see and then make the rules fit that as opposed to 
changing rules in the hope of getting one wee thing. And a lot of that was a knee-jerk reaction around Roscommon and holding the ball for five minutes and 45 seconds. Mm. You know, and that sort of dictated a lot of the, the conversations over the last number of weeks. Keith, what do you think? Do you think the level of coaching is innovative enough? I, I spent, say, two weeks ago, I was on the sideline uh, watching Kildare and Ross Common, and the level of conditioning, every run was being tracked, and the Smith clocking up 13 kilometres, Paddy McDermott tracking him, all the space being cut down, uh, one mistake, a slip, a goal. It was, it was exhilarating to watch. Uh, and yet, I'm just wondering about the game in general, the, the stuff about having three men inside the opposition uh, 65, uh, the ball going to halfway and not being allowed to go backwards. Could that sort of stuff help the game improve or are you happy enough with the style? What's your view? I'd be wary enough about some of the rules like that to be quite honest. If you were putting in a rule that you can't go back past the 65, I mean, a team goes forward in the attack, I mean, the opposition is just going to flood the defence, flood back past 65 because they know the, op- the team on the ball can't go back then anyways, you know, so you're, you're still going to lead to mass defences no matter what you do, so... I'd be wary enough about kind of going down the route of rule changes like that. You know, you mentioned the Roscommon Kildare game there, and when I look back on it, like it was just again, I go back to it. It was the type of game Kildare really felt they had something to play for, where Roscommon felt that they were going to win the game anyways, um, probably be second in the group and mm. and get a home quarter final. But Kildare really went after it. You know, Ros- they the ones were kind of playing with a lot more tempo to their game, and they seemed to be working harder. Roscommon was just kind of getting the scores a small bit easier, I suppose, but. Um, like on the the coach thing, like the top coaches will always adapt. Do you know, my fear then is that, as Conley mentioned there, like when someone brings in a system of play, it filters down then from the top level right down to club level. But like, not every team is going to have the the quality of forwards to that a Kerry have or a Galway have to kind of be able to adapt to a defensive system and kind of get that runners in place, so that it's the quality then kind of a bit lower than the elite level that kind of really sucks suffers if that makes sense so um, yeah the coach at the top level will always adapt it's kind of what filters down then below is kind of the issue you have and um, it kind of, I think it has a, a knock on effect then Keith you made your name as one of the best defenders in the game but you played centre forward as well and, and in hurling you, you played further up the field I would imagine going out to play inter-county with all the time you invest you want to have a good structure but you want to express yourself as well uh, does coaching allow that and what does a great coach look like in your eyes? I suppose a great coach is the one that can kind of read how the game is going and can kind of get the players to adapt to what's in front of them. Now, I know a lot of it comes down to what the players see on the pitch, but they have to be kind of made aware of these things as well, you know. Um, like the way the game has gone, does it allow for players to express themselves? It does in certain situations. I think, you know, you look back at last year's All-Ireland final and you see Shane Walsh having the game of his life hitting nine points. So it does at certain times. Um, but again, it's completely changed. I think, you know, you look at even... Defenders now, I suppose the days like when I started off, it was one-on-one defensive. You know, you marked your man, that was it. Like that's completely gone. You don't see that anymore. Like we look at full back lines now, and players in the full back line have to be just as good going forward and have to be comfortable on the ball. Whereas when I started off, if you got the ball, you were hand passing it off as quickly as you can because you didn't want to be on it. You know, so it's completely changed. Where now you have a game of nearly fifteen footballers rather than your your full backs and your man markers and your stoppers at full back and centre back and your high fields in midfield now nearly everyone's kind of very similar that you want 15 ball pairs you know so it is changing and then like I said coaches will adapt to that and depending on what tactics someone up, comes up with next they'll have to adapt their team to it so um, but like economy there it will always change and that's the fascinating thing about it I mean you look back 10 years ago it was a different game Jim McGuinness changed then for a few years Dublin and probably ourselves just kind of went with this whole kind of 
thing of Grenadier going full out attack mm. um, and that has changed against likely so it will always adapt every couple of years and so it'll be interesting to see now what um, what the next genius comes up with <laughs> Well we're going to ask you now Conlon what are you going to come up with next? <laughs> No, God forbid. Um, but no, look, it keeps absolutely spot on. And I suppose you look back to what has happened this year and all the things over the last number of years that frustrated people. You know, the long kick out is back. If you look at all the games over um, the last number of weekends, the amount of contested kick outs has never been higher. You know, and I think one of the rules that's come in the midfield mark, you know, I think that's added serious value to the game um, because we're getting more of that. We're getting more kicking. And I know. The forward mark is much maligned. But if you, you know, I was there at that Kildare Common game, and I think there were seven marks in total. And really, only one of them wasn't the type of mark that you would really commend. But it's a law of unintended consequences. The mark was brought in because we wanted to see more overhead catching. We wanted to see more kicking in. And, and that has worked, and it, there's been a reward for that. The problem is always that for every action, there's a consequence. And that we dink ball inside the 20 into somebody's chest wasn't what it was intended for, but as part of the rules and coaching and teams and managers and players to exploit that because ultimately at that very top end, a shot anywhere inside the 45 with the percentages now that players can hit and they're so good, you know, that's a fair high percentage shot now inside the 45 to score. And and that's the difference. And, and all these wee things make a massive difference to the winning and losing of these games at the top end. Yeah, Keith, um, Colin's on about you know, how good the game is and how good the players are. And he's right, the players are gone to levels never seen before. And that's part of the problem. Players are so good, can cover so much ground that space is at a premium now. And the coaching is so good that whatever space is there is, is zoned out pretty quickly. But I remember talking to Colm Cooper, maybe at the end of the National League, and I kind of asked him, where would Colm Cooper fit into the modern day uh, football landscape? And I guess people would say the likes of Cooper would find his way in any era. And I remember watching Connell play football too, that Jenkins style, a bit of space, turn over the shoulder and over the bar. Just a question I have for you. Are we doing enough in the game to protect the inside forward, like your Canavans, uh, your, your, your sharp inside forwards? I mean, you see the likes of Shane Walsh and Damien Comer, they've had to go back past halfway in recent seasons to get on the ball. What, what can be done in the modern game to maybe play to our st- our strengths whereby the inside forward line has always been an iconic figure in Gaelic games and to make sure that they're not a, an endangered species anymore? It's a million dollar question. It's a very difficult question to answer. I mean, like, do you go down the route of saying you have to keep three men inside the 45 and mm. like how, like it, it just becomes, you bring in little things like that and it just becomes so hard then to police. I think referees have enough on their plate at the moment. You know, you talk about the mark and like, I mean, I don't know how a referee is supposed to be keeping a track of where the player kicking the ball is. Was it a travel 20 metres? You know, a lot of the time it's very obvious. Other times it's not as obvious. Yeah, it's hard. Um, there's so much going on around them. I, I don't actually know, without kind of dodging the question, trying mm. to give you a short answer, that I, I, I don't know what the, the thing is. I mean, this talk then, I bring it down to 13 aside, but then I think you're just kind of, you're getting away from keeping those footballers in place and you're just going with more athletes because you need guys who can cover more more ground because there's less players on it. Um I think, like you said, the likes of a Shane Walsh, a Gooch Cooper, a Canavan, um, a Clifford, the really top operators will always shine regardless, you know. Mm. I mean, we, like I said, we've seen that with Clifford the last few weeks. He's been absolutely on fire. We mentioned Shane Walsh in Ireland final. So the real top players will always find a way to get close to goal, to find that space. And that's where you will see that the genius come out from is that they will find them pockets of space. 
Like, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, the, the answer is. I mean, just say you can't bring certain players back inside your own half. I, I just don't think it's, it'd be too hard to police. I just don't see how it would work. And Conlit, like, even with your own club team this year, Eden Dark, like, you've got the Dazzler up front. And, you, you know, you want to get you're want to going to get him into the game as quickly and as regularly as possible. And the opposition coaches will be cracking down on him. So what would be your message to a player like Darren McCurry then? Just, you know, keep moving, keep showing, make the runs, eventually he'll get to you? Yeah, look, I think that's it. And I think it's been shown when you look at all the players through the championship, the top players, the Shane McGuigans, who have been marked and double marked, those players will get enough ball and they will get away. But back to your point, you know, in a 15 aside game, defensively it's about how do we cut down the space? How do we stop um, anybody getting a shot inside, you know, the scoring zone or the high percentage score zone? And again, what Keith touched on, you know, 13 aside would definitely make that happen because one thing is you take out an extra defender but the unintended consequence of that is do we see the Jack McCarrens you know do we see the Conor McManuses when you look what Derry done when space was a premium they just decided to run them so the problem is by giving more space we may actually be taking out the really skillful players who don't have that huge engine um, but I think look the one thing that has to happen is whatever the rule is it has to transfer down into club level and he touched on it. Referees have enough to do. They're probably not getting all the things right in what they have to do at the moment. So giving them more stuff and putting more pressure on them isn't the answer. But for me, I think 13 aside at some point is worth a look at because when you go down to club level where numbers now are difficult, you know, a lot of rural parishes are being decimated by people leaving. Um, it maybe make it easier for, for teams to, to field as well. Wow, at club level, Connors. Yeah, look, that, that's happening. It's very, very difficult. If you look at the number of games at club level, particularly at reserves or seconds games mm-hmm. being conceded all over the country um, because the numbers just aren't there. So, look, maybe something like a 13 aside might actually make it easier in the long term. And to wrap it up, Conlet, I wonder we'll be here in seven weeks' time saying football has never been better. Yeah, look, I absolutely think we do because we have a system now in place where the best teams generally are going to be in the last eight. You know, and the way, all right, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, well, um, some of the teams might throw each other. But generally, the system is built so that you're going to have the best quarterfinals, semifinals and final you can have. And I think in that, when you see what happened last year's final, it was a shootout, you know, in the game. And Clifford won, you know, will it be something different this year? But I think in these games, when it gets to that age, winning is always what's important. But the forward play now is focused on more than it has. Teams defensively are very, very sound now. But if you look at the score... And just to get back to it, if I'd have said to you two seasons ago that Donegal and Monaghan would play in a must-win game uh, for both teams, really, and that it would be 19-17, you wouldn't have believed me. And yet, there was 13 and 14 behind the ball all the time. But forwards have got that good of manipulating space, false runners, you know, taking men out of the way. And I think footballers have never been better. And I think we'll find by the end of this that, yeah, there's always a few tinkering that can be done around the edges. But I think generally... The game kind of needs to be left alone. Okay, Conlick Gilligan and Keith Higgins, thank you so much for that chat. I really enjoyed it. Now straight to the four big games this weekend, All-Ireland quarter-final time, and Aaron Kernan is with us to preview the games. Aaron, it's such a big win for weekend for football. Armagh versus Monaghan, Crow Park at six o'clock. Close to call, what do you think? Yeah, well, I suppose both teams, um, as soon as a draw was made, um, they'd be sort of fairly happy with it. Um, I don't think there'll be any fear uh, from either side that if they perform, they can't get the job done. Um, 
I would have Armagh down as as favourites for it, but, but only slight, uh, slightly at that. I think this all depends uh, really for me in terms of how Armagh go about it. I think the last day we've seen an awful lot against Galway, we've seen an awful lot of what they did well last year, which got them to the quarterfinal and brought them to Claudus. They did. They were aggressive on opposition kickers. They kept more people up the field ahead of the ball, which offered them a kicking outlet from the defence. And I think that's the style of football that suits them best. And I think we've seen with Monaghan this year that um, they, they do uh, tend to leave themselves maybe in two and two, three and three situations in defence by pushing so many numbers up the field, maybe similar to Derry. And I think if Armagh stick to their guns in terms of what they did the last time, they can get reward from it. But... Uh, there's always that fear and risk of pressing hay on the likes of Rory Beggins' kickouts in terms of leaving yourselves exposed. Um, Monaghan nearly got three goals off his long kickouts in the first half last week. I think that's something that they'll look to improve on and go after. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it'll be a close game. I honestly think it'll come down to a point or two on either side. Um, but if, if Armagh go after it in the manner they did against Galway, I think that they'll they'll do just a bit enough to, to make okay. it to the first All-Air semi-final since 05. OK. Aaron, would you give Kerry the edge over to Rowan at 3.45pm beforehand? I, I would, because um, I think there's always that fear and paranoia with Kerry in terms of whenever it comes to Tyrone, but I think if you take a broad look at it, Tyrone lost twice in the Championship last year, only beat Fermanagh. They've lost twice this year and they've only drawn Westmead. And I think as long as Kerry don't overthink it, I think they're going to get a serious test. I think clearly going to get their biggest test of the year so far. But as long as they don't overthink it, they're the All-Ireland champions. They need to come out and play like All-Ireland champions. Um, they tend to do it against everybody else. There just seems to be a bit of a hang-up against Tyrone. Um, so it would be more their mental prep uh, this week, I think, would be the, the biggest thing that Tony Griffin from Clare will be focusing on. Uh, I, I have to say I was impressed with Tyrone last week, particularly impressed with the confidence and spark of the two Canavans up front playing with a smile on their face, really dangerous players. But I, I still think that if Kerry come up and perform to the level that won them All-Ireland the All-Ireland last year, I think they'll have enough to get by by maybe two or three points. But there'll be so many key matchups all over the place, um, a lot of one-to-one -one battles that they're going to need to win. Um, Clifford carried the bulk of the score and scored nine points in the semi-final in 21. And I think the likes of Sean O'Shea, Paddy Clifford, um, Jim O'Connor kicked three from play last week. I think it's the likes of those boys chipping in with two, three points that will be the difference this time around. OK, on Sunday then, you know, I, w I was going to ask you, was there any chance Cork could upset Derry at 1.45pm? But the way Cork are playing, having accounted for two Division 1 sides, it wouldn't be a huge upset either, despite Derry being back-to-back -back provincial champions. It, it wouldn't be because Derry's group in the, in the All-Ireland series sort of went really under the radar. There wasn't too many, too much hype or too many big games about it. So I think we've forgotten that they're back-to-back -back Ulster champions. But I do believe that they're prepared all year not to be Ulster champions again, to try and go and become All-Ireland champions. Yeah. So I do, even though they sort of... And Shane McGuigan did an interview recently where they found it hard to lift themselves again after the Ulster final. I think they'll be fully prepared this weekend and, and they'll be ready to go to town. Um, in terms of Cork, I think I suppose the big one for them is just the turnaround they've had from the Clare game. Uh, they seem like they're getting a lot of boys back. 
from injuries. They're getting a settled team and they're playing a, a decent brand of football at times. They're, they're able to sit back and defend, but the, the most impressive bit is whenever they went after Roscommon or they went after Mayo. It's the damage they did in those periods. Um, and Derry will give them opportunities, particularly from long kickouts, because they press so hard, particularly on, a, on an opponent's kickouts. Um, but it's just our cork. It's a different type of game. They were sitting back, sucking Mayo, Kerry, and Roscommon in, and trying to hit them in the counter. Derry are the ones who are going to dictate the terms this weekend. And I think as much as Cork have improved, I think they're going to face a side this weekend that the, a style of play that they haven't come up to. And I think that'll just be enough. I think Derry will have enough to maybe create enough goal opportunities um, that, that they'll see this one out. Um, but definitely, for both from a broader perspective, it's just great to see Cork on an upward trend again mm. and leaving plenty to build on. And then to the last one, four o'clock Sunday. <laughs> I, I, Dublin Mayo, like what a cracker. And just looking at the Dublin team being named, they have James McCarthy named in the half-back line. Gak is back. The bench is pumping again. And yet, Mayo, you just, don't, you just don't know on any given day what they're going to bring to the table. But you'd imagine they'll bring a performance. Uh, can it be enough to win, in your opinion, Aaron? Oh, it, it can, if they can get back to where they were in the league. But for me, between injury and players seemingly losing form, they just don't seem to be as cohesive as that they were. Um, like I was very impressed with my seeing them in the league game in Armour this year. Like Everybody knew their job. Everyone playing well. Real good structure in terms of having a kicking game and their traditional running game, um, but they just seem a bit flat throughout the All Ireland series um, since the Kerry game. But this is the game that always seems to spark them into life. Having said that, this is the game, and you just mentioned the Dublin team: Buxton, Mannion, McCaffrey, Pat Gillery getting involved in the management team. This is why they're back for this weekend. They sort of knew themselves they were going to be at All Ireland quarterfinal stage. They're going to go fully loaded and primed. They've lost the last two All-Irelands. He said, these people all got involved at the end of the day because they want, they want their legacy to finish on a positive note, not losing two, three All-Irelands in a row. So I, I fully expected them to come fully loaded this weekend. And as much as I think Mayo will bring us far, I, I think this is what Dublin have primed for all year. And for me, I would see them maybe four or five point winners uh, come to finish on Sunday evening. Aaron, it's been great to talk to you. What a weekend of football we have. Thanks so much and we'll chat to you soon. No problem, Damon. Take care. That's Aaron Kernan there. That's it for this week, folks. Uh, thanks very much to our producers, Gary Moran and Damien O'Mara. Dave Gibson was on sound. From myself, Damien Lawler, stay safe. We'll talk again next weekend. Please, God. <laughs>